0: It's good to have all of you back tonight, and I see some new faces. You brought some friends. Welcome to all of you. It's great to have you. So I started a series last week entitled "The Bible People Who Shaped Me," and some of you know we're going through a book right now as a as a church called "The Divine Mentor." And so a lot of his topics in his book is how uh, different people in the Scripture in the Bible can mentor you, can help you learn. Last week, if you didn't get a chance to hear the message, go to strongdisciple.com. Strongdisciple.com, and you just, if you have an iPad, you just touch the message and it starts to play. It's really a miracle. Probably do the same thing on your phone, actually, but I don't have one to try. And um, so I shared briefly with you my story, how I started this journey 40 years ago, and who some of the people in my life were that, I allowed to shape my life. I shared with you some of the musicians, some of the actors at the time that had an influence on my life and how they shaped me, how I kind of uh, ordered my life after their hairstyle, their clothing style, their rebellion, their morality, their values, they became mine. And I shared with you that none of us could choose our parents or teachers or coaches And all of those people as we go through the journey of life tended to have an influence on us for good or for bad. But when we hit our teen years, almost all of us in this room, we make choices. Now some of you had big posters on your wall and I won't get into who some of those people were. I had a cousin, she was really into Axl Rose and so she had Axl Rose on the wall. I had others that had other posters on the wall. I never really did the poster thing. But in my heart, in my heart, there were individuals that I gravitated towards in society and in popular culture, and I embraced their values, and I shaped my life and my decision around their values. And then something really phenomenal happened. I was 19 years of age. I'd just gotten back from hitchhiking around the West and the Southwest, <clears throat> and I honestly, I came back very disillusioned. I was very disillusioned with hippies, because that's the kind of I wanted to be. But when I got close to some of them that were a little older than I was, I began to realize, honestly, uh, that their lives were really empty. In fact, (laughs) I began to realize that the cruelest people in the world are people. They're cruel. They'll stab you in the back. And, and I, I just really was like, well, I don't, I don't want this. But I wasn't sure what I wanted. I mean, I knew in my heart that I wanted a life of significance. Here's what I mean by that. I don't mean I wanted to be famous. That's not what I mean. I mean, I wanted a life that mattered. I wanted a life that I could look back on 40, 50, 60 years and know I made a difference. I did something with my life that counted. And at the time... At the time, this is so crazy as I look back now because I've, you know, I've kept in, in, in aware. Let's say I've kept aware of some of these individuals, Bob Dylan being one of them. How has Bob Dylan made the world a better place? His son Jacob will barely speak to him. If you know Jacob and the wallflowers, that's Bob's son. He was a terrible father, he was never even around. I mean, the last person in the world I'd want to be is Bob Dylan. Or then there's David Crosby. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. a sperm donor for a couple of lesbians. Besides writing a song, I don't want to be David Crosby. When you think about these guys, when you think about George Harrison, when you think about Paul McCartney, what eternal difference did their life make? But at one time in my life, that's who and what I wanted to be. And then I had an epiphany. I had a wake-up call. God sort of interrupted my life. He sort of body slammed me, if you will, through a set of circumstances in the course of two or three months that almost took my life. And they made me realize I'm 19 years old, I'm not even 20, and my life could be over just like that, just like that. If God wanted, He could just bam, poof, my life's over, dead. The breath of life that He gave me, it's gone. And there's nothing I can do about it. And I'm not ready to face God. I knew that. I knew I'm not ready to face God. I knew the things I had done. I knew them in my heart just like you do. I violated God's laws. And I'm going to have to answer for them. And I was not ready to meet my maker. It really shook me up. It shook me up, to be honest. And we're going to get to this guy in the coming weeks. As much as Damascus Road shook Paul up. And, and so what happened was, on the way to go see this gal that I was going out with at the time, I pulled off to the side of the road, and there the side of the road, after this two, two months of really wild circumstances, I gave my life to Christ. And, and I was all in. It wasn't like, okay, Jesus, save me. I'm a sinner. And now I'm going to go down and sleep with my girlfriend. And that wasn't it. I broke up with her that night. It was immediate. It was immediate. God began this immediate transformation in my life and my values, and the very next day, the very next day, I determined I need new mentors. I need new influences in my life. And I got rid of the old ones. <clears throat> I got rid of all my albums. I had a lot of them. I got rid of them. And, and I got rid of the, the kind of books that I used to have. I just. You can do whatever you want. It's up to you. you. want to give them the goodwill. Keep them as mementos. Do whatever you think the Lord wants you to do. But I knew what he wanted me to do, and I got rid of them. And I had a Bible, and I began to take that Bible every day because all of us here, we went to school, we learned to read. And I just began to read and read and read and read. And one of the individuals I began to read about a lot was David, a man named David in the Bible. So I shared a little bit with you about his life last week, but I want to get a little more into it this evening. When I think of David, and I'm going to get very personal tonight, I hope you're okay with that, as to why some of the reasons David influenced my life. <clears throat> when I think of David, I was, I was trying to think all week of a, of a movie that probably you've seen that, that would capture this, and, it, and I got it. Lord of the Rings, Aragorn. If you read about the life of David, and you read about the exploits of David, it's Aragorn. What you saw him do in that movie, you know, of course, when you watch the movie, and you see him with the orcs or whatever those ugly creatures are, and he's slaughtering them, you think to yourself, can that really happen? Let me tell you a couple things about David. David led Saul. This is before David was king. David, at 20, was leading men into battle. And one particular battle, the Philistine armies, which were made up, many of them, not all of them, of abnormally sized men. Remember last week I described you Goliath? Well, now you can picture this. Shaquille O'Neal, two and a half feet taller. That's Goliath. You put me next to Shaquille O'Neal, and I'm going to look like a dwarf even right now. In one particular battle, David's men were being attacked all around, and he and one other man stood back to back for an entire day and night and slaughtered 600 enemy soldiers themselves with nothing but the sword in their hand. David was a man's man. David was more than that. He was an extraordinary warrior. He had extraordinary Courage. Now, this may get me in trouble. And I hope that you'll stick with me long enough so you'll understand my meaning. But Christianity in America has been so feminized. And it was when I was young as well. In fact, you may not know this, but the majority of people who attend church in America are women. It's almost a 65-35 split on any given Sunday. You walk into a church and it's feminine colors and it's feminine this and it's feminine that. Ladies, please understand, I'm nothing against feminine. It's wonderful when girls are feminine. I don't like to be surrounded by feminine things. And the last thing you want is a soft-spoken, sweet, little pastor guy who the men in the audience think to themselves, I'd rather be hanging with my buddies or be with my football team or the football coach because what in the heck does church have to offer me? And I'm being very blunt and very frank about this. As the men go, so goes society. Do you understand that? We have the majority of problems we do today in this nation because of godless men. Godless men. Men who've had no strong men in their lives. Men who've had no strong father in their lives. Men who've had no example of a godly man in their lives. Who's both strong and compassionate, brave and tenderhearted. And whether you realize it or not, ladies and men, whether you realize it or not, do you know the number one thing that women, when they were interviewed, the thousands of women wanted in a relationship with a man, what they wanted? They wanted to feel protected. They wanted someone who was strong. Now, strong doesn't have to to do just with, you know, you're bulky and you're muscular. It means you're strong of character. You're strong in life. In other words, another way they put it was, I feel secure when I'm with him. I feel safe when I'm with him. And no matter, and I've told you this before, again, no matter how much you see all the propaganda out there, God is physically, generally speaking, made men stronger than women. We were to use our strength to protect and nurture women and children. Now, I had an interesting situation because my father was a very strong man, and as a young person, he was a very godly man. As time went on, he wasn't. I found in David a soulmate. Now, I'm going to get to some of David's, by the way, in a couple of weeks, his mistakes. David made two massive mistakes in his life, and they have been a huge, huge, influence on my life for good. It wasn't that David did everything perfectly, but David had not only a strong, masculine brave, courageous spirit to him, but he had a passionate love for God. A heartfelt love for God. David wrote approximately 73 psalms. He was an artist. We'll get to this in a moment. He was an artist. He was a musician. He was a singer. He was a songwriter. And his songs were sung throughout all of Israel. But his song started out as genuine, personal, intimate expressions of David to God, of this warrior, this guy who was fearsome. I mean, all the nations around Israel at that time knew of King David. In Psalm 18, he says this, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He's my shield, the strength of my salvation, and my stronghold. I call on the Lord who's worthy of praise, for he saves me from my enemies. The ropes of death surrounded me, the flood of destruction swept over me, the grave wrapped its robe around me, death itself stared me in the face. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. I prayed. "'To my God for help. "'He heard me from his sanctuary. "'My cry reached his ears. "'Then the earth quaked and trembled. "'The foundations of the mountains shook. "'They quake because of his anger. "'Smoke poured from his nostrils. "'Fierce flames leaped from his mouth. "'Glowing coals flamed forth from him. "'He opened the heavens, came down. "'Dark storm clouds were beneath his feet. "'Mounted on a mighty angel, "'he flew soaring on the wings of the wind.' He shrouded himself in darkness, veiling his approach with dense rain clouds. The brilliance of his presence broke through the clouds. The Lord thundered from heaven. The Most High gave a mighty shout. He shot his arrows and scattered his enemies. His lightning flashed, and they were greatly confused. He reached down from heaven and rescued me and drew me out of deep waters. This is an amazing picture. David had an amazing perspective about God. I cannot tell you how many times through the difficulties and trials of my own life, I have gone to the Psalms and found great strength in what David reveals there about God, in his own walk with God. We're going to get to this as well. David had some incredibly difficult and intense trials in his life many of them which for me became so personal and moving. But the first thing about David that struck me was his great love for God. When I decided to begin following Christ, I made an all-out commitment, and I mean absolute (laughs) no-turning-back commitment to become a man of God. Now, I want to explain what I mean by that, and I want, to, I want you to probe your own heart for a minute, men and women, because God needs men of God and women of God. Here's what I mean by that. I'm not saying that I mean a man of God has to be a pastor. I mean I want to be a man after God. I want to be a man who's in love with God, who reveals God to the world that I live in, who reveals God to the children that I sire, who reveals God to his wife, and that they knew in their life that God was dad's greatest delight, God was dad's greatest passion, and he submitted his life to God. There is no usefulness apart from submission to God, you see. No usefulness. I was watching a movie the other night. Um, I got at the Goodwill. One of my favorite stores is the Goodwill. I like supporting what they do and what they do for other people. And uh, there was a movie, it came out in 2004, I believe, with Kate Blanchett and Tommy Lee Jones called The Missing. And basically, when you get past all the story and all the gore and all the wildness of the Western, <clears throat> it's about the reconciliation between a father who abandoned his daughter, played by Kate Blanchett, and them at the end when he basically helps her save her daughter who's been stolen and going to be sold into slavery. Near the end of the movie, they're on this cliff, and it's dark, and they're <clears throat> these uh, enemies are trying to attack them, and he goes off on a little monologue, and he, he's trying to explain to her, and you can tell there's tears in her eyes as to why he left and <clears throat> what some of his regrets were, and he said this, he said, he said, the most difficult thing for a man is how does he protect his family from himself? And that line, I'm telling you, I, I wish I had to move... You know, sometimes I wish I could just do things fast and just my brain would connect and you could see that right there behind me for 30 seconds because I'm going to be really honest with you. The most dangerous thing in the world is godless men. The most dangerous thing in the world is a godless man. The most dangerous thing in the world is a man who is not submitted to Christ. And when he said that line... For me personally, tears welled up in my eyes. I was watching this all by myself. I was just sitting there watching it. And I thought to myself, Oh God, the only one who can save a family from a man's self is Jesus Christ. And if it had not been for Jesus Christ, and if it had not been for me, and I'm serious about this, I am not exaggerating this, If it had not been me choosing to channel my passion, my anger, my emotions after God and Him taking control of them and training me, it would have all come out sideways on the people I say I love and it would have hurt them a lot. This is why we have broken families. This is why we have broken families. Because godless men suck. Men who are not submitted to God are dangerous men. Now, they may be dangerous in their passivity. They may be dangerous in their emotional distance. They may be dangerous in their rage. They may be dangerous in their lust and their greed. And they neglect the important people in their life. But who protects a man's family from himself only Jesus Christ when we come to him and we embrace him and then we go after him see it's not just enough to embrace him say oh Jesus come into my life I've sinned make me your own he does that he saves you you're born again but that's called babyhood and babies tend to stink the place up till they learn to start going poop in their diaper and they go in a potty and they flush it out the house when you're stuck with an immature Christian the rest of your life, that's no fun. It's almost like being with a person who does not know Christ at all. Because they live by the flesh. They live by the flesh. They live by the flesh. And David was a man though we made some terrible mistakes. Who passionately went after God. And I'm telling you, it's just it changed my life. It changed my life. I have spent so much time in the Psalms, one in particular, that I read probably every month. But I have, over the last month, I read this psalm every day for a week, and I would encourage you to do the same. It's Psalm 119. Now, I'll tell you ahead of time, it's the longest psalm in the Bible. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. But it is so amazing to see what David writes, and most scholars believe David wrote Psalm 119. Happier people of integrity who follow the law of the Lord. Happier those who obey his decrees and search for him with all their heart. They do not compromise with evil and they walk only in God's paths. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your principles. Then I will not be disgraced when I compare my life with your law. How can a young man stay pure? How can a young woman stay pure? By obeying your word and following its guidelines. I have tried my best to find you, O God. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have rejoiced in your commands as much riches. I study your commands. I reflect on your ways. I delight in your principles. And I do not forget your word. This psalm goes on and on and on. But then he says this. Your principles have been the music of my life throughout the years of my pilgrimage. I reflect at night on who you are. I obey your law because of this. This is my happy way of life. I was struck by David as a musician. He was a man, if you read the Psalms, he was a man of great emotion, great feeling, and great expression. And this moved me. I have to admit, please don't take this personal because I want you to know God has made all of us different. He's made all of us different. And that's a beautiful thing. He's given uh, all you men and all you women in here a different personality, a different temperament. I have a difficult time, this is just a personal thing, relating to men with no emotion. I don't get it. I especially don't get it when those same men will sit in the living room and go gaga crazy over a football team or jump up and down when there's a touchdown, proving that they do have some passion. David moved me. He moved me. When he wrote, when he said things, when he grumbled to God, when he expressed himself to God, it moved me. It did something to my soul. It connected with me because I feel life. I just don't live life. I just don't go through life. I feel it every day. Every day I got out of bed, and I'm excited for the day, but I never know what the day is going to bring. And today brought some very interesting challenges. And as a younger man, a couple of them that happened today, even as a younger pastor when I started, would have really put me in the tank. But God has, you know, done some seasoning in my life and He's deepened my life and He's helped me go to these Psalms and find greater strength. It also struck me that David was a musician. I loved that because, well, again, you just have to know a little bit about me. My father was a boxer. So when I was young, I mean, we used to sit and watch all the fights. All the fights used to be on TV. All the Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier fights, all the Tommy Hearns, all the Sugar Ray Leonard fights, Arlo Carlos Mozon. I mean, I, I read about all the fights. Sugar Ray Robinson, I had books about them. I read about them. I loved bo- I still love boxing. I still love it. My father had 132 fights, knocked out 117 guys. My father fought in the Air Force. He was in Korea. He boxed and welded bullet holes on planes. My father was the AAU champ in Georgia. And he was a Golden Gloves champ in Iowa. So, uh, you know, I just grew up around it. So so there was a part of me, I hope you don't misunderstand this, because actually I've only been in one fight and we didn't even throw fists. I just pushed a guy down who was pushing me. (laughs) That was it. Wow. Big deal. So there's that part of me, and then I love music. <clears throat> and I've played the guitar for years, and all of my kids end up being musicians and singers, and I write songs. I have 35 in a book that I've been writing over the years. I have a little CD. You can download it. I'm not, I'm not bragging, saying it's great. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's part of who I am. <clears throat> and there are certain kinds of music and certain wording and phraseology that really gets to my soul. And there was a time in my life about 12 years ago that... Every day, for six or seven years, I played an hour every day. It got me through some of the most difficult period of my life as a pastor and as a man. And I wrote these songs, and I just played them every morning. My kids would hear them. I used to go into my kids' room and sing to them at night. So it was Is so that part of me. And David just struck me how he had such an honest, intimate relationship with God. Man, I wanted that. See, I'm the kind of guy, when I read the Bible... I don't want to just read the Bible. I want to live the Bible. I don't want to just, oh, let's have some more information. I want to do this stuff. Now, let me clarify. I don't want to go around killing people. Okay? David lived in a different time. David lived in the Old Testament. I live in New Testament times. And I'm going to get to some of the New Testament people that have had a tremendous impact on me and challenged me to be the kind of godly warrior that God would want me to be. Christianity is not about killing people. I'm going to make that really clear. But David was not only God's man, but he was the leader of a nation, as in, like Benjamin and Yahoo. He was, he was the king Of the nation, and his job was to protect his people from the enemies that constantly were trying to slaughter the Jews. A different situation. David wasn't out killing for pleasure, he was protecting the people God had given him responsibility for. So I don't want anyone to misunderstand that, you know, Mark just has this bloodthirsty drive like David. It's not what we're talking about here. It was a. The Bible says, God says of him, God says of him, he was a man after my own heart. And I have chosen David because he will do all that is on my heart. He was a doer. And he got his orders from God. And he got his directives from God. I was so, so profoundly impacted. The fourth thing that really struck me about David was that he went through great trials and troubles as a young man. <clears throat> I'll just give you some of them. You may not realize this. Again, you can read this in First to Second Samuel yourself if you want. be great reading. I'd get the Living Bible or the New Living Translation. Either one. <clears throat> For those of you that are new to the Scripture, and it will just come alive. The Living Bible <clears throat> or the New Living Translation. If you don't have a Bible and you want to go get one, great. If you're the kind of person who just wants to get it on your phone, go to BibleGateway.com, and they will have the Living Bible on there, and they have the New Living Translation. And you can just type in the front at the top, search, First Samuel, the whole book, and it'll, there you go, you just start reading, okay? After David's uh, defeat of Goliath, which was this incredible victory, right, and I told you last week that he was approximately 15 years old. 15 years old. When he went to the front and he attacked Goliath. God routs the entire army and basically, to be very frank, he saves Saul's behind. He saves the entire kingdom. Well, Saul begins to bring him close, but the problem is all the women... Start singing great songs about David. And one of the lines in the songs was, Saul has killed his thousands, David killed his ten thousands. And nothing <clears throat> offends a godless man more than glory, more glory going to someone younger than he's receiving. And Saul began to burn with jealousy. Not only did Saul burn with jealousy, but here's the other thing. God's Spirit left Saul. In the Old Testament, you didn't have the permanent dwelling of the Holy Spirit. We do. God's Spirit will not leave you. But God, in, in a sense of the kingdom, not in a permanent sense, abandoned Saul because Saul walked away from God. Saul violated incredibly important principles that God had asked him to do, and he turned his back on God. So God needed to find a new leader for the nation, and he chose David. Saul suffered from what some might call huge manic episodes, depressive episodes, and the Bible describes it as a spirit was tormenting him. His advisors went and found David because he was brave. This is what it says. He was brave, courageous, good-looking, that I knew I never qualified for. I just want to make that really clear and and he played skillfully, and they would have him play, and every time he would play, Saul would calm down. Saul would calm down. so David was this intimate servant of Saul. I mean David loves Saul. David eventually marries saul 's daughter david 's best friend in the world is saul 's son, who should have been the future king, but even Jonathan recognized God's hand is on David, and he loved David in the purest sense and exalted David. Saul tries more than once to personally kill David. One day, David's playing for him, and Saul, in a fit of rage because his jealousy is eating away at him, grabs his spear, and he was a very trained warrior, flings it. David dodges, and it caught a part of his coat. More than once, then David had to flee. And Saul sends, at that time, the mightiest army in the world, the Israeli army, to chase him down. Things get so bad, he's living in caves. <clears throat> and once while he's in the cave, Saul comes in to go to the bathroom, doesn't know David's there. His men urge David to kill him, but he won't. He cuts off a piece of his robe, and when Saul gets way down, he comes out of the cave, and he yells down to Saul, the Lord delivered you into my hand, I could have taken your life, but who am I? Far be it from me to raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. David was an incredibly noble man in this time in his life. Things got so bad that Saul gave his daughter, who was David's wife, to another man in marriage. You think you've had loss? Can you imagine living through something like that? Can you imagine saving this man's kingdom, playing for him, calming him down, helping him deal with his depression, and he's trying to kill you? This is trials, man. This is bad stuff. David had to deal with tremendous disappointments. He had to deal with one of the most difficult things in life are injustices. And we're going to get to that in a little bit. David had to deal with tremendous injustices. Well, personally... I don't have time to share with you my story, but shortly after Kathy and I met, we went through hell. We went through hell. We had to go through a tremendous period of injustice with some family members. It was incredibly difficult. You know where I found strength? David. You know where I found strength? The Psalms. You know how many times I read over David's life, I read over what he went through, and I realized, God, if you could be with him in that, then you can be with us in our situation. And it brought me comfort, and it brought me strength, and it guided me into how I ought to respond to my reality. See? That's what the Bible does. That's what these influencers, these people who shaped me, they taught me how to respond to my troubles and trials and trials and difficulties. And they brought me through to the other side. I was profoundly shaped by the way David cast himself on the Lord and the way he trusted God and gained great insights. I gained great insights from his writings. I really did. Well, listen. I have three more things that I want to talk about, David, but I'm out of town tonight. So, here's the deal. I want to explain to you what's happening. Next week, be, I'm, I'm, I've got, I need to fill in for a very dear friend who had a family emergency come up and do a conference in Omaha. So I will be filling in for him, so I won't be here next week. Carl will be sharing. The fo- and he'll have a very good message. He'll do something related to the divine mentor. The week after that, we'll get back into this, we'll finish David, and then I have, we'll go on to two other Bible people from the New Testament that shaped my life. i really like to encourage you to come back. Because I believe the Lord will use it in your life and you'll understand how you too can get in the Bible and allow them to shape your life. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you tonight, Lord. You're available to anybody and everybody in this room. You're available to anybody and everybody in the whole world. If anyone will call on you, you save them. You'll work in their life. Man, woman, child, old, young, no matter what race, No matter what our background, Lord, you're available to each and every individual. All that's required is humility. Humility. Lord, you say you're close to those with a broken heart. You're close to those with a humble heart, but you oppose pride. I want to ask you, Heavenly Father, that you'd help us, as men and women here tonight, to come to you with a renewed spirit of humility and passionate desire with a longing and a hunger to know the living God, to seek you like David sought you. How many times have I pictured David at night, alone through the night, with thousands of sheep, pondering God, talking to God, singing to God? How many times have I pictured David as he ran from Saul, hiding in cave after cave, as his men would sleep, he would wander off to a place, singing, praying, praying, thinking about God. You don't write those kind of psalms if not a man given to meditation, thinking, clarity, and spending time alone with God. Lord, I thank you for David. I thank you, Lord, for what you've taught me through his life, and I pray you continue to teach all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. I would love to meet you after the service. I'll be back there, and we've got some refreshments. God bless you guys. I hope you have a great week.